Live from 1110 KFAB, it's the Mr. Mechanic Show with your host, Steve Buchanan, who has over 40 years of experience under the hood. And with him, as always, his sidekick, Mark Grable, who has over 150 years of experience. They don't just talk about cars, they fix cars. Don't forget about Bob. They repaired the first wheel the day after it was invented. They were the first to put a six-inch lift on a Roman chariot. They're so good, they don't even hold the steering wheel while driving. The wheel follows their vision out of fear. Call now with your auto questions at 402-558-1110. This is Mr. Mechanic. All right, everybody, welcome. It's time for the Mr. Mechanic Show. Steve Buchanan here, as always, is well joined Bob and Subaru Slayer himself, Kyle. We're, we're going to answer your car care questions, whether it's a check engine light or you just can't seem to figure out how to get your gas cap off. This is a show for you on Saturday mornings. I think we're going to talk about uh, all kinds of goodies this show. Mm-hmm. We're going to talk yeah. about uh, history of cars and... and uh, Time under the hood, and it seems to be a rub and buff Saturday. Time to get out and rub and buff your car and get her washed. These are numbers call. Get in, call in early because the lines fill up fast. We want to get your calls. Time moves along. Five five eight eleven ten. Area code four zero two. If you want to call in the Mister Mechanic Show, we do this live at the world's tallest two story repair garage in Omaha, Nebraska. I don't know how that music always fades back in, but it does because this is a quadraphonic. Stereo system only on the Mr. Mechanic Show, because I remember I had my '74 Craco Lincoln Lincoln Town Car. It had a quadraphonic stereo system. It was eight-track tape, and it was and it was the uh, Neil Diamond and Barbara Streisand uh, mm-hmm. tape. Did, and did. and when I popped that in there, you know, because it it self rewind, you would never it would never end. It would just keep going, and you knew you knew it was late at night when. When that thing would be clicking back between all the channels, your Jensen six by nine coaxial speakers. No, they weren't invented yet. Bob. Oh gosh, this 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 is Craco. Yeah. Oh, it's like a soup can you listen to it through. Yeah, yeah, had <laughs> <laughs> a rope on it. Oh my gosh, oh my gosh. All right, um, so yeah, I, I was thinking about like the other day. I asked Bob. I said, "When was disc brakes invented?" Cal, do you know when disc brakes were invented? What year? Early mid '60s, probably. 64. See, doesn't everybody think that? That's Bob, what I thought. Believe this or not, disc brakes were invented in 1903, and, but, and, and never happened, used until then. Never used. What happened to them? <laughs> like we have, we got these disc yeah. brakes, so we're just going to put them on the shelf till the '60s because that's what we need to do. Same with electric cars, right? Back what in kind of what, car 1903. Was that in? I got to look this up. 1903 took till now to be able to figure it out. Yeah, it it really didn't because I can tell you for a fact. My skateboard had an electric motor on it in the 60s, and I had 29 rail vac, one-and-a-half-volt batteries all soldered together. <laughs> you could make I, it a half a block. I couldn't even make it that far. <laughs> but my skateboard was the coolest skateboard on the street. All right, we're going to jump into the calls here on Mr. Mechanic Show, 402-558-1110. Jim, who's been patiently waiting since yesterday. How you doing, Jim? Welcome to the show. Good morning. Thank you. I have a question about the difference between all-wheel drive and four-wheel drive on any vehicle. So, uh, yeah, so why do they have that, right? So, well, And what's the difference? Well, so what happens is, let's just say four-wheel drive. We'll start with that first. That means there's a direct connection from the engine to the transfer case 
out to the wheels with no slippage. And then when you have part-time, then there's a viscous coupling, which is kind of a slip unit. It's kind of like an 80-20. Clutch pack. Yeah. So um, what happens is it isn't 100% to every tire. It might be 60-40 or 30-80 or whatever the numbers add up mm-hmm. to be. And so you get a little slippage. That way you're not constantly moving everything in the sa- at the same speed. And it's it's just better on the transmission and transfer case and rear end assemblies. And uh, uh, it doesn't take so much fuel economy either. So it, when they came out with that, you could get better fuel economy having four-wheel drive available, but yet not all the wear and tear of four, uh, all-wheel drive, vice versa. Sorry about that. So does that make sense? Yeah. So, so uh, simple terms. Remember the year years ago, they had a, a you'd have a locker rear end. Everybody go, oh, you got a locker rear end. Oh, you're you're the stud, and you get all the girls in school because you had a locker rear end. You remember that? No, you don't remember. Yeah. And then you'd and then you'd have a slip, a you know, a, like a anti-slip differential. So the difference is that's kind of the difference. So when you have a, a anti-slip differential, it would actually slip, but a locker would never slip. So that's the difference. All right, Jim. Appreciate you calling, Mister Mechanic Show. Yeah, that it, it's it's. I always when it snows out, I'm always in like four wheel drive. Yeah. I'm not an I'm not an all wheel drive guy. When it snows out, I'm in a four wheel drive guy because that's how I grew up. Absolutely. My dad always my dad always said four wheel drive because they they never invented all wheel drive yet, so he could never say that. Mm-hmm. We just had two wheel or four wheel. Lock them in, four wheel drive, ready to go. Well, and then we put lockers. In. Oh yeah, I mean we were studs. I mean in yeah. high school. Anybody that had a locker, I'm not kidding you. We had the prettiest girls. That's yeah. a, that was the first thing we do on a date. They'd go, so, Steve, what kind of engine do you have in your truck? And I'd yeah. go, well, it's a 429. And they go, do you have a locking differential? And I'd go, yes. And I'd get a date. It was you, that easy. You dated the sophisticated gals, apparently. I only dated ones that knew what they were talking about, Bob. <laughs> 402-558-1110. Gary with a 99 Intrepid who's on the show. Gary, how many miles are on this Intrepid? 82,000. Man, that's not very many for that uh, year car. What's going no. on with it? Uh, when you, she, It's my daughter's car. <laughs> She'll drive it, say, 20 minutes. Stop at Walmart, come out, it won't start. Let it cool down. Now, the, the temperature's not overheating or anything like that. Uh, give it 15, 20 minutes, it'll start back up. Uh, I've had it in two shops. It's not throwing any codes. Nobody can figure this thing out. Well, it's only two things. It's either fuel or spark. Um, and you said it, there's never a check engine light on it, correct? Nope. Okay. Well. What's really common with that is a cam sensor. Right up on the left-hand uh, valve cover. They're very common. What is it? A camshaft position sensor. Okay, okay. They, they may or may not throw codes. It will definitely make it not start. Uh, that particular vehicle, most cars will run off of a crankshaft sensor, um, but that one will, and the camshaft sensor could go bad and won't be a problem, but that car, that's where I would head first, definitely. Agree with that, Kyle? The crank sensor. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Sure. <laughs> There's a now, lot of other things, but that's that's the that, first place we'd start. Yeah. The second place is take a big hammer and pound on the bottom of your gas tank. All right, Gary, appreciate the call. I didn't know any of those intrepids were left. That was yeah. that was Lee Iacocca's dream, the cab forward design car. Yeah. 
hi, my name's Lee Iacocca, and I've just put the engine 14 feet in front of the of the uh, car, and uh, now you're going to sit over, well, the transmission that should have been sideways, and now it's the wrong way. That's what Lee Iacocca They're almost all gone, except for that one. <laughs> that was, there's that many. <laughs> you know, they were, not, they're, they were in a bad car until the timing belt went out, and so if he's listening, uh, that's a bad day when that goes. That takes the valves out, and uh, uh, that's one thing you want to change on a lot of cars. Talking about timing belts is you change those on time, especially especially on that car because it shells out the motor. There's one car as they went along in later years and made that Intrepid. They made it worse. They didn't make it any better. (laughs) So the early ones were great. Well, yeah, I, I do remember that because the early ones had steel door handles, and then they went to plastic ones, and those would always bust off. You yeah. know, just to save 0.012 pounds, you get 0.000% better fuel mileage. Yeah, nothing a better feeling when the handle comes off in your hand if you're trying to get in it in the cold weather. Oh, my gosh. When GM first came out with some of these Chevy trucks, that pot aluminum door handles, and <laughs> <laughs> and those are a nightmare to change. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and they would snap off. And you're going, this thing's only got fifteen thousand miles on. I can't even open my door to get in the truck. Blah. Jerry with a uh, 2014 Silverado is on the Mister Mechanic show. What's going on, Jerry? Well, it uh, intermittently won't start. I mean, I changed the battery last fall because it I was in the garage and it it would click. I figured that the battery was four or five years old, so I went and got a new battery. Ran fine until about three weeks ago. I drove it to Omaha, made two stops, but after the second stop, I went to start it, and it clicked again. It wouldn't start. I tried it again. You know, it didn't shut it completely to the off position. Went to hit it, and it just clicked. I turned it all the way to the off position and tried it again, and it fired right up. Uh, you got any thoughts? <laughs> yeah. Uh, typically, uh, and, and when's the last time you put a starter in the old Silverado? Uh, yeah, I didn't put one in. It's the original. It's only got 52,000 miles on it. Yeah. It's so, always been garage, too. So, so normally when they just click like that, it's just the solenoid's engaging the starter, but the starter doesn't have the wherewithal to get engaged. Okay. I didn't know if it would be the, I know they had trouble with their ignition switches, but no. I didn't know if it would be the ignition switch. No, they're, they're not. That's not going to cause that problem. But uh, oh, okay. what you do when they don't start, just get underneath there with a big hammer. Carry one of those in the back seat behind the in the back and just go down there and hit it and have somebody hit the key and don't run yourself over because we've had that happen on the Mr. Mechanic show. <laughs> yeah. And that'll start. Okay. I would just you think it's going to be the starter. Well, yeah. that's my first it, guess it, it, outside it of some like rare. Well, and you're also seeing a lot of corrosion down on the battery cables on the starter for bad connections, too, with a okay. lot of the salt. I, I see a lot of that nowadays, too. Jerry, appreciate the call, Mr. Mechanic Show. We'll be right back. Got to take a quick break. 402-558-1110. More of the Mr. Mechanic Show. We'll be right back. From the makers of the hit Netflix show, Tiger, Tiger King, comes the next weird yet strangely satisfying documentary. My name's Bob Exotic. I like fast cars, fast turn signals, and tight ball bearings. And I ain't changing my oil for nobody. From the deepest, darkest depths of your garage comes the mechanic king. Yay! Hey, all you cool cars and transmissions. Carl Basket here to tell you that Bob Exotic is a 
criminal car abuser. He tries to act like he collects classic cars, but he really just hoards them away in some dirty old garage. A world of mayhem. Carl Basket is the biggest hypocrite I've ever met. Madness. I'm going to end Bob Exotic's abuse of classic cars once and for all. And murder? Maybe Carl just happens to come on in and get his car service, and maybe we just happen not to refill his windshield wiper fluid. <laughs> Whatever happens after that ain't my fault. The Mechanic King. Mayhem, madness, and murder in the back of my, of my garage. Coming to Netflix sometime never. Who is Mr. Mechanic? There's Steve Buchanan, the Chuck Norris of mechanics. <laughs> then there's Dr. Mark, the looks. Together they merge to form one giant mechanic, the powers of which no automobile or human can match. It's Mr. Mechanic right here on 1110 KFAB. Listen to News Radio 1110 KFAB's podcast on our free iHeartRadio app. They're sponsored by Woodhouse Lincoln and available at KFAB.com. Uh, all right, everybody. Welcome back to Mr. Mechanic Show. Let's fix some cars today. It's Saturday. It's a good day to. I'm going to get out my my new uh, wax. What is that? What do they call those? Those uh, wax pads or those. Uh, like they use beeswax and you rub your car with the beeswax. Wax you... on, wax off. No, kit? no, that's a show, silly. That's <laughs> your kit. Matt, who's got an avalanche? Better hang on to that thing, Matt. Those things are becoming a they're becoming a desired showroom piece. You sure about that? <laughs> How many miles you got on it? Other than the rust. Other than nineteen thousand miles. That's not bad. Yeah. That's not bad. We got uh, we got a couple of customers with over four hundred thousand miles on them. They don't want to let them go. Three engines, two yeah, rear ends. Yeah, I know, but but uh, you get tired of uh, jump starting the dang things. This yeah. things, I've I've seen a lot of service bulletins and a lot of other people that own them. You let them sit overnight, or it might take two or three days. You go to start it or try to start it, battery's dead. Are you part of the Aval- Avalanche Club here in Omaha where you guys group on Saturday mornings and go hang out talk about avalanches? Uh, no, I'm not. I'm not it's, part of that gang. It's a pretty, so. big, it's a pretty big outfit. You should be. <laughs> well, well, I wish I was. Hell, hell, did, do they start drinking beer late in the morning? Well, they can never what? show up because they never start. <laughs> There's no way to get there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Right. Uh, so, so I have looked up on the internet. Quit looking at that stuff. All that does well, is confuse people. There's a lot of people that have the same problem. I mean, thousands. That's of why people. nobody shows up at the avalanche meeting. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Well, so look, so take a test light, take off one of your battery cables, and stick it between the cable and the battery and see if it glows. If it does, you got to draw, and that's why your battery's going dead. Okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you what I have done. Okay. Actually, what I do when I park in my garage, I pop the hood and I disconnect the negative battery cable. And when it's shut off and I disconnect it, I have got sparks from hell. Well, that's why I'm telling that, you to use that cable. 
Yeah. Or the test light, because if the test light glows, then you just start pulling fuses and find out what circuit it is, and then pull that fuse out, leave it out, and you're good to go. You know, I got a we got an excursion customer coming up, but I uh, call her, and I got a uh, 06 excursion, and I had to put a knife switch in my in my battery cable because when I when this thing would sit for months at a time, all of a sudden this weird this weird phobia would come over, and it all of a sudden drain the battery down, and so I just mm-hmm. take that knife switch and flick it off because I'm too lazy well, to figure it out because I fix cars all day, and the last thing I want to do is fix my own car. Yeah. Well, somebody tell somebody told me it's the instrument cluster. No, it's not. That's a pretty big draw for that. But you've got to draw somewhere, and it's pretty heavy. That's why it's sparking. If Yeah. You just got to oh, go yeah, through. Oh, yeah, it's heavy. It's probably something inside the interior and, uh, you know, power port, cigarette lighter. A lot of times it's sim- something simple like the power seat switch gets stuck, mm-hmm. the door the door locks get stuck, and that's why it's kind of now and there then. Um, really? Yeah, yep. really. Go through and play with all those switches. Make sure that they are kind of in the middle and they work like just, they should. Just do the test light thing. I'm, I'm telling you, you'll figure this yeah. out in about 15 minutes. It's It works on every car. Okay. I, I invented it. See you, oh, Matt. you invented it? I did, the test light. My golly, you're a genius. Yeah, it was... It was it was Mr. Tesla, then me. Okay. <laughs> See you, Matt. Have a great day. Paul's an Astro Van. You're on the show. Welcome. Yes. Well, I got a strange one for you. All right. Last year, I, I at, just before it started snowing, I moved my 86 Astro Van, and it started and everything and ran good. And this spring... I decided, oh, well, I'm going to move it. I went out, and it wouldn't even turn over. Wood bat starter wouldn't even click. Well, I had a mechanic who said, well, your battery's probably dead. Well, I said, no, but I, he said, well, it could have a cell that's dead. And so I switched batteries. Well, that didn't do any good. And I got underneath the dash and everything, and I started testing things to see where I had electricity running to. And I could get electricity to things like the cigarette lighter, but I couldn't get any electrical juice to flow through to things like the radio or anything else. And the only thing that came to my mind was that the starter, the the ignition switch where the key goes in and the column, but it had gone bad. Is that a possibility? Does the car start yet? No. How long has it, it been sitting start. that it hasn't started? Like, we talking years here? No, no. Oh, it, right. It's just that for just from, from winter till spring. Well, I think we need to figure out... Um, so the the new battery's good and strong. We're sure of that. Yeah. Okay. So when we turn the key on, do the dash lights come on? No. You get nothing. All right. So correct. Obviously, we're missing <laughs> power to the fuse box. Fusible links. Fusible links. Down well, the starter. The there is there is electrical power to things like uh, on that year. You could turn the headlights on. So that's what's gonna, the ignition switch. On. That's what my next question was. Do the headlights come on? Yes. Okay. So we got power to part of the car. And the headlights are on a different circuit than the fuse box. 
And so yeah. we need we need to make sure that what Bob is saying, there's fusible links on by the starter that power up the fuse panel, which power all the dash lights. So when you turn your key on, all those dash lights will come on. We need to have dash lights before anything's going to start. you got several different fusible links going to different parts of the electrical system. I'd crawl underneath there and see if something got chewed on between wintertime and now. <laughs> well, and that was one thing that I tried because I thought, well, a squirrel or a mouse. And um, I even took the boot off on the inside of the van, and I checked every wire I could find. And no wire had been chewed in any way. Yeah, it could have a bad connection still down there. uh, Well, that's the only thing that makes sense, because I've never heard of of the, the key switch going bad. On anything. <laughs> well, the, the key yeah. switch where you put your key in isn't where the switch is. The switch is further down on the column, and those just don't go bad. They just not on that vehicle. I mean, that's right. that's kind of a lifelong part. So, well, that's what I was thinking. <laughs> well, yeah, I think we're on the same page here, Paul. Yep. Love the Astro Vans, though. I mean, those things are kind of like a cult. Like, oh yeah, they're, they're the only yeah. ones that have door hinges that wear out in about eight thousand miles, and then you can't shut the door. <laughs> Another, yes. And then your friends fly out of the car when you turn the corner. Yes. <laughs> I understand. <laughs> Paul, we got to take a break here on Mr. Mechanic. I appreciate the call. I hope we helped him. That's we did. Yeah. We did. Yeah, well, he's just missing power somewhere. That's simple. Yeah. And test lights. You need just need test light. That thing, the test light can solve all problems. Well, not today's world because you need like micro millimeters and all this other gizmo stuff because everything's such low voltage. Yeah. What happened to the good old days when you had a six volt battery? And a starter the size of a car to turn over six cylinders. Remember those starters mm-hmm. that are about 48 pounds? <laughs> More of the Mr. Mechanic Show coming up. The American Lung Association's 40th Annual Corporate Cup is April 18th. Powered by Green Plains. Details at omahacorporatecup.org. There we go. Welcome back, everybody, to the Mr. Mechanic Show. Steve Buchanan, as always, on the Mr. Mechanic Show, 402-558-1110. You're just tuning in. This is this is a crossroads humanity of cars. This is where we uh, fix them right the first time. Well, we we do our best. We will give you the top two answers of your car phobia problem. I was just thinking about timing chains and timing belts and all the things and timing gears that uh, how how cars have changed and now we're going to electric cars. Obviously, all that's going bye bye. But if we would have started stayed with electric cars. Like since 1903, we'd be flying by now. Everybody I, would be. I think. I think there's been some holdback on purpose. Mm-hmm. You know, Briggs and Stratton invented that lawnmower engine back in like what 1899, and we still got the same <laughs> thing in our car after 120 years. This is the best we can do. Yeah. <laughs> Wait a We're minute. Still putting you them on lawnmowers today. You know, it is, what's funny is even in the 50s, you'd have to pull the choke handle out of the dash. Ah, oh, come on, come on, start now. All right, Jim, with a. Uh, Chevy. Hey, Jim, welcome to the show. What's going on? Hey, I got a 94 Chevy Cheyenne, and instead of sticky gas pedal, I have lubricated the cable. I lubricated the pivot where the rod mounts on the floor for the gas pedal itself, and there's no play in the butterfly on the shaft or the carburetor. I cannot figure out why. You know, when I press down on it, it doesn't sit, and then it jumps, you know, which makes the motor work, and it's just tough. Uh, it, uh, I don't understand it at all. Yeah, this is a perplexing issue. All right, so 
so what happens when it sticks? Like, are you going like 80 miles an hour and kind of like? No, no, just when you just when you start accelerating when you go to take off, just that first oh, little, that little quarter quick, inch movement. Yeah. You know, normally it's in the throttle plates. You know, that little like that first little catch. Right, but that moves really easy. I mean, so just took, so easy. There's, so you took the the actual cable itself off and grab the throttle plates, and they're perfectly free? Yeah, I mean, it moves so easy. There's nothing wrong with that, really. All right, well, then and, it's and a cable. Then it's, is this got a cable on it or a rod? Yeah, it's 94. Yeah, it's a cable, but it's, it's going through this uh, yellow thing. It looks like a big coil. What's, that, that's, it's taped on here. I don't know what somebody wire tied this thing on. Coil. So it's got a governor on it? No, it, it looks like a big yellow... Almost like a distributor, it looks like. It's got four wires, two two white and two red. Well, that's the uh, cruise control. Oh, okay. Yeah. It doesn't have okay. cruise control. This thing is a strip model. Well, well somebody's added cruise. something that we're not aware of. I, I've only seen two things on that particular truck. One is the cable, and the one like you're talking about, Steve, is where the there's uh, the throttle bore uh, butterflies get stuck, and there's right. so much corrosion down in there that, once you once it shuts, that it doesn't want to open uh, until you get it past there. That's the only two things well, I've ever seen with that. So here's the bottom line: I guess if it's not in the throttle bore, and it's not in the cable, it's impossible for it to stick. So it's got to be one of the two things, right? So would we replace it and get a cable? Maybe somebody's done some sort of change where maybe it had cruise control and they change it. And I know it didn't have it, but could we just replace the cable itself mm-hmm. and? Bypass everything else? What do you think, Jim? Uh, <laughs> I yes. wish you were standing here to see how easy it moves. Well, yeah, and I tell you what, I've seen cables, you take them off and you pull it back and forth with your fingers and they work great. And you start putting some tension on it, but now your problem comes right back. You shouldn't be able to. This shouldn't be that hard. There's only two things. I know. That's, that's why I've been stumped for a year. Well, this. <laughs> 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 well, there's a pedal, there's a cable, there's a throttle body. And we got three right. things to replace. Uh, how many have you done? Well, I haven't replaced anything. I That's why you still got the same problem. Like right. I, I'll, maybe once you punch tension, yeah, I know that, that butterfly moves easy with the hand, but if you put tension and pull on it towards the throttle cable, I bet it kick. I bet it I bet it catches. I almost, no, if I use the cables, it's supposed. If I use the cable, it's supposed real easy. Yeah. I, I almost There's promise no. you that's where it's at. Yeah. I, I, you know, cables are perfect until they fray. Yep. Jim, appreciate the call on Mr. Mechanic Show. He doesn't want to fix it. That's his thing. I'm going to, it's been two years. And I'm not going to change that because it's not that, but it's not that. I'm putting so a cable in it. I'm putting a cable in it. That's what I'm doing. In it? Yep. I'm putting a cable it in it. It could be a little frayed on the end there. Just like, so when you just, yep. I've, I've had those where you just got to push on a little bit and it catches. Just a little wire breaks and that's all it takes. All right. Well, why don't you put a, why don't you put a cable on for him and call me in the morning? <laughs> All right, uh, 402-558-1110 on Mr. Mechanic Show. We're fixing cars on Saturday mornings. That's what we do here. We're talking about brake fluid. There is, uh, Kyle, what, what did you see? Uh, that there was a new brake fluid on the market. It's good for 30,000 brakes. No, the blinker fluid. Oh, the blinker fluid. Yeah, 30,000 for conventional use. Or synthetic, you get 60,000. Is that an April Fool's joke that you give somebody? Well, it's a little late for that now, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> I never thought about that. Yeah. That would be a kind of a good gift that you give somebody in April Fool's, wouldn't it? Synthetic brake, uh, synthetic blinker, blinker fluid. fluid. Yeah. Oh yeah, good I think you got to get a quart. That's not as funny as what we did to our one of our coworkers. 
where we uh, told him he had to have summer and winter air, and he actually <laughs> believed it because he's from Houston. Yeah, that was a good one. Yeah, blinking valve <laughs> caps. So, yeah. We had blinking. Yeah, we and he paid a hundred dollars. He paid us a hundred dollars. Three hundred. Three hundred fifty dollars. We ruined his weekend. <laughs> <laughs> Brad, who's up with a uh, 2004 Chrysler. Brad, what kind of Chrysler do you have? Well, another long-time problem. It's a, uh, I transport students and foster kids around a lot. This is a high miler. And for, I'm ashamed to say it, about 150000 but I work around it and have for a long time. You take off from a stop sign or from a stop, and you just kind of normally accelerate. The, it, there's half a dozen or seven or eight hard jerks that shakes the whole van as if the torque converter is engaging uh, early, and then it quits, and then you're fine through all the rest of the uh, acceleration process. Or if you take off from the stop sign like Grandma, it slips into second gear just fine. Or if you're a little more aggressive, like everybody is, and take off and step on the gas a little harder, it's fine. It's just that spot in the middle, and it goes, and then... You're good to go. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody wants to answer that one. Well, Nobody wants. Okay, well, uh, you've either got it. One hundred fifty thousand is not many miles. What kind of what kind of Chrysler it's, is it? No, no, it's been doing that for one hundred fifty. Oh, how many oh. miles are on it? now? Oh. this is approach closing on a half a million miles. It's a driver. Got right. it. Well, and what kind of driver is it? What kind of Chrysler? What Mid- kind of minivan? Oh, it's, it's a, a town and country oh, driver yeah, minivan. Yeah, yeah, he barely he he said that? it. Just yeah. Barely. I couldn't hear him. Yeah. That's what yeah. happens when you get old. All right. So, do you think I, I you got did. a solenoid pack problem or you've got a trans internal transmission problem? Even though for 150,000 miles, there's not much else. No, left. it's been like this for 150. I know. He's got 500,000, Bob. Didn't you hear him? I heard. I heard Jesus. that part. But you could probably still bait. Transmission's hanging in there. Hanging in there. <laughs> it's exactly what it's doing. Like a champ, man. He's figured out how to run rounds. it and keep it and nurse it along is what you've done. What do you but, want to uh, do here? That's what, do you, what I've done. What do you want to do here, Brad? You yeah. want to fix it, or you just want to? No, I, I'm just. I'm just curious. No, nobody's going to fix this <laughs> thing. It's going to. Something big's going to go, and that's going to be it because it's rusty. I'll bet still. it's a transmission. Yeah. Yeah. I love it, man. Not too many guys calling with a half a million miles on a Chrysler. This it's, is like it's honorable, I'm, yeah. I'm writing this yeah. down. Nobody this calls is, in with a transmission that's lasted that long in one of those cars either. Yeah, you're going in the Hall of Fame. This, this is original. It's been serviced uh, a lot, and uh, as long as you don't beat them too bad. But I was just kind of curious: is there a sensor or something that's engaging that torque converter? Yeah, so it's Early? got torque converter yeah. shutters. What you're thinking? Yeah. Oh, they got oh, input yeah, output. Hard. So how this works is the computer takes measurements from like a TPS switch, and that yeah. gives you your throttle pressure, and then uh, air management also tells you RPM, and it determines when all this kicks in. And so it's – I just don't think it's a torque converter. It just seems uh, odd that just coming off the line. Agreed. Well, it's supposed to go in gradually to each gear, and then when, yeah. your, line, yeah. when, your, when your line pressure increases in a transmission – it goes bang because it doesn't go from zero to 100 slowly. It goes zero to 100 immediately. And then that's what right. causes your line pressure to go up and bang hard. So if you're easy with it, like you are, that's how you're getting past it. Honestly, I don't think you know what you're talking about. But it I know sounds, exactly it what sounds I'm talking good. about. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's just a spot be, uh, between 
stepping on it hard, it's pretty hard, and then just easing off the line, yeah. it'll do it. Otherwise, and then you know, go around the pass somebody while it jumps out of lockup. Yeah. It works fine the higher speeds. It's just the damnedest thing. Brad, uh, stand in line. We're going to put you on hold. we got to take a break and pay some bills because that's what we do here. More than Mr. Mechanic Show coming up. Mr. Mechanic is the man. Yeah, this is the Mr. Mechanic Show on 1110 KFAB. Can you lend a helping hand to local organizations making a difference around the metro? United Way's Day of Action is April 8th. Find out how you can volunteer or donate at uwmdayofaction.org. All right, welcome back, everybody. The Mr. Mechanic Show. Steve Buchanan here along with Paul Joint Bob and Subaru Slayer himself. Mr. Kyle, we love Subarus. 558-1110, area code 402. If you'd like to join us on the Mr. Mechanic Show, the other Brad jumped off because it had too many miles on it, and he just set a record. I, I think the largest mm. miles car we had is 850,000, and that was back 20-some years ago, so that car's probably got, what, a million and a half miles on it now? Sure. Up. <laughs> it was a Mercedes. Okay? Yeah, I can and see that. It's been totally rebuilt like nine times. He's had... I remember when he called, he goes, well, I've had two engines, three transmissions, four rear ends, and a par tree. And a... Okay, Brad, you're up on the Mr. Mechanic Show with an 07 Jeep Wrangler that's overheating. Welcome to the show, Brad. Hey, guys. Thank you uh, for the show. I want to make sure I'm calling the right place. This is where dummies like me call in and ask the ex- experts a question, and then I refuse your advice and hang up on you. That'd Is that f- the right show? That'd be fine. Yep. Uh, feel free to do that. Are you done? <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> okay, go ahead. I love Jeep Wranglers. So, um, so here's really the uh, crux of the question. Um, if I'm driving the Jeep and I watch the temperature gauge going higher, and I know I'm getting in trouble on the the engine temp, but I only have about three miles to go to get to where I can park it, should I accelerate and get the maximum amount of speed and then shut off the engine and coast as far as possible yes. or keep the engine RPMs very low so I don't increase the engine temperature more than it already is? I love it. I love it. I'd coast. Coast is the safest. Oh, yeah. yeah. No. First, put, put, it in neutral. put it in neutral and coast. Yep. Speed up and coast. You can coast for a long time. You can, If you time it just right, you can hit a couple of lights just right. You know, you can go a long ways. But am I am I counterbalancing my savings by revving it up to get to a high high speed so I have that long coast distance? Oh, that is that is a perplexing issue. So uh, that's exactly that's, that's, that's why ener- I'm calling the expert. Well, yeah. I, do, I do have that formula. That's energy squared over pi r radius times two with airflow so, through well, the radiator. Well, no, I'm figuring out the friction Divided on by the, yaw. I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm friction out. I'm figuring out the friction on the tires as he speeds up. Yeah. Yeah, and then, and then I, I got to take the that. I got to take the coolant temperature and pressure times and I yeah I agree go as fast as you can and put it in neutral I just figured it out yep tire size <laughs> okay well you're in flows. keeping with all the callers I'm going to argue with you and then hang up in anger <laughs> <laughs> this is a great question you know that's a good one I but think thanks that, for the great show guys I really enjoy it I think honestly I think the honestly the answer is is you go like as slow as you can with the at least amount of friction on the engine. That's the real answer. You think because so? higher speed engines create more energy, cause more heat, and so you're going to create more heat going faster to try to put it in neutral. I'd much rather see him put it in and drive 
drive at a very low speed at a very low RPM. But the faster you go through, you're getting more air to the radiator, all that hot Um, coolant will cool right back down. That's a bunch of crap. Well, it's the way I've done it, Kyle. Is that is that how you've done it to get cars from place to place? It's my show. Yeah, I just drove them. <laughs> it's going. <laughs> we'll fix it later. Oh, that's too good. Uh, I wonder how many people actually drive their cars though and actually watch the temperature gauge that much. No. Nah. And, and it's just before. It's always before I just get home. Yes. Like oh, oh, my car's overheating. The gauges they do not watch. The the no. red lights they pay attention to. Yeah, you get a little ding when that goes on. Yes. We need to come up with some more colors on our dash because the colors are getting kind of old. You know, like when I turn on yeah, my blue, I, red. No, no, I have my new Tahoe and I hit the button to start it. I have blues, I have yellows, I have reds, I have greens, I have ambers, and I look at we that. We don't got purple yet. Well, that's my point. There's, yeah, we need purple, pink light for something. I mean, there's pink. definitely some issue going on here between the car companies and color. Yes. I don't know what it is. We're out of time on the Mr. Mechanic Show. Appreciate all the automaniacs that listen to us every week. I'm Steve Buchanan, Mr. Mechanic. Ball joint Bob. And Kyle. (laughs) (laughs) So long, everybody. We'll be back next week. Remember, if it's broken, you're not fixing it. It's not going to run. So long.